Oh, I love Willie D's version of that. Well, I mean, he wrote it, but I'm just thinking maybe I should get another version done. But I like that one so much. I mean, he's got Anton on the sax there. Can't be beat it. Um, today we are going way back to June after the uh, Organic and Biodynamic Wine Conference. I sat down with Sophie Parker Thompson and Matt Thompson to discuss their blank canvas wines and, of course, all their travels. Really interesting couple. You know, they sort of like fate brought them together. It seems like wine, certainly love for wine did. Um, Matt goes into his travels and Sophie... I actually remember her from being on YouTube and doing wine reviews back in the day when I first saw her, and then she stood up at a Giblet Gravels AVS tasting, and I thought, hang on a second, who's this person who seems to be very smart and interesting and passionate, and uh, I sent her an email, got to talking, and when I was in Blenheim, we sat down for this great chat. There's a great story there. The only thing to note is uh, it seems I was at the beginning of getting hit by the flu. Certainly by the time my plane took off later that day, I was in uh, full flu mode. So I think you can start to hear it coming on. And despite what you're all going to say, it wasn't just because I was hungover. Uh, I did come down with something, but perhaps because I spent myself a little bit too much after the Organic and Biodynamic Wine Conference, I uh, had the old immune system drop. But I certainly could feel it coming on then so if I'm not all there with it I apologize Sophie and Matt but I think we had a great little conversation I think I could probably sit down and talk to them for a whole lot longer and go into more of their story probably even individually maybe we'll do that someday but in the meantime this is Matt and Sophie from Blank Canvas Wines Chilean guys on. Uh, Quite cozy, <laughs> yeah, they had to kind of go back and forth and lean in, you know. Yeah, and then when my mic. Yeah, yeah. It <laughs> got all dense. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. Make sure I think I'm in the same boat. But um, so, Sophie just and Matt. A, just be a dog house, anyway. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes. Um, what's going on? I'm a recording now, so. Here we go. Hi, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I think, yeah, we'll be probably a bit echoey, so the sound will be okay in here. Yeah. Uh, first of all, forgive me for a bit a bit weary from the last few days conference. Uh, maybe possibly was too long at the, what's that, the Scotch wine bar was, last I was night. I going to ask, was it the conference or, or, or the after? Oh, it was the after. It was yeah. a bit, I think everybody was feeling pretty uh, energized and excited after yeah. three days and... Uh, Last time we we're all going to see each other for a while. So um, the, outside of the people that I see all the time in Hawks Bay, and uh, we possibly let things go a little bit, but that's all part of the industry, you know. Um, but no, it's been good to be down here for a few days and uh, um, uh, experience it all, you know. Yeah, I yeah. think I think it's why most of us are in the industry really is is to get closer to the product, the mm. people who make it. Absolutely. That was certainly my story. What, uh, well, first of all, you know, the big thing that stood out to me was when you said that the Gilbert Gravels thing, like we go back and forth every year. 
So how the hell does that work? Let's just start there, and I'm sure it'll lead into some other things. It means but a lot of jet lag. Yeah. A lot of yeah, time in the airport it, lounges. Does, it does mean a lot of flying. But yeah, uh, look, a lot of people have asked me when I'm going to stop this crazy, this crazy thing, and, and, I, and I say simply when the disadvantages outweigh the positives. And, and at the moment, yeah, sure, the disadvantages. I don't like being jet lagged. I don't like being away from home all that time. But on the other side, I quite like drinking wines I'd never encounter over here and uh, and um, eating pretty good food as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm in Italy and France and Spain. And so, are you like typically going to the same region nowadays? Yeah, or? yeah, it's 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 moved a little bit, but uh, by and large, the place I've always been to is Europe and uh, mainly Italy, the north of Italy in particular. Okay. I started off, uh, the first year I went overseas was 1993 in Bordeaux, and then 94 was Piemonte, and that went through to 99 when I did both Piemonte and Veneto, and then... Um, the was Kiwi winemaker in Piemonte? Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. that guy? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah Jeff. Jeff, yeah. the That's one, I was there last year, and the one... Two, or the two weeks he was back in New Zealand for the first time in like five years I was there yeah. so we, we missed each other but uh, we definitely tasted some of those wines they well funny awesome. enough the, the first time I met Jeff we knew of each other both working in Piemonte for a few years and and I was in a wine shop in Alba and I backed into this guy and, and said excuse me and we realised that we both were Kiwis <laughs> and we ended up having lunch and then I think we had dinner that night and then lunch the next day actually and caught up pretty pretty thoroughly and then funnily enough we're, we've run into each other a bit since then mm. um, as we go to and fro literally um, and then <laughs> then actually funny enough we'd, we'd caught up with each other in Piemonte last year in vintage time and uh, then in Auckland uh, over summer I backed into Jeff in a wine shop <laughs> and that's wow that, that, that's it, pretty typical really but then uh, over summer in December we actually bumped into him at Maison Veron. Well, that's, that's the one shot oh, I was talking about. Yeah. yeah, sorry, I thought you meant... Excuse me, my, my, my wife repeating my story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah uh, but it is uh, it is quite funny. We do have a habit of running into each other in wine shops around the world. But that that's just that's where we both spend most of our time, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, fair enough. Uh, yeah. My wife's from uh, Lecco, so we uh, I get, every time we go to Italy every other year, I get to go, you know, I'm like, well, we got to do some research, so we're going to go to a wine region, you know. And that's why we're in Piedmonte a year yeah. and a half ago. And this year, well, after this conference, I think I'm pretty much have to go to Alto Adige. But we were going to go to Marque actually because it's kind of like up and coming and a little bit different, you know. Yeah, man, you can get some good value food and food and accommodation there. It's nice amazing. Pecorino. Yeah. Yeah, my cousin lives in Rome, and he was pretty, uh, pretty excited to. He's like, yeah, that sounds interesting. Like, you know, yeah. something different, you know. Yeah. Um, but actually, it's all different. It's yeah, all, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's all different because I think. When you're based in Europe, and, and I'd, I'd say the States, although possibly less in the States because of the Italian immigrants there, but you know, Italy's actually a young country in terms of being a country. Mm. Um, it, before that, it was a whole lot of provinces that used to war with each other. And, and, and so the, the contrast within Italy is massive, um, both in how they cook and also language. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's funny because people ask me, like, oh, you know, your name's uh, Brennan, but I didn't realize you had, you know... Uh, 
other heritage in your, you know, your place. I said, yeah, you know, my mother's family's Sicilian, and I'll say Sicilian a lot. And eventually, Mara, my wife, will be like, you know, that's part of Italy. You could just say Italian, and I'm like, no, well, not no, in my no, family. No, it wasn't, no, you know. No. And they never said it, so I don't say it, you know. No, they have a different language. Yeah. So, um, and so if you're you're doing the harvest as well when you go back there as well at the same place, yeah. or do you guys kind of do different? Yeah, we work. We work together. Yeah, we're together on everything. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we're, we're, we're one of those few couples that actually get on really well. Yeah. <laughs> most of the time, yeah. Yeah, most of the time, yeah. No. And, what, and was it, when I'm wrong. <laughs> but, you know, was it something that, uh, you know, sort of came in line after a while and you guys met? Where did you meet, first of all? Yeah, good point. Well, uh, I, I've, yeah, I've been in, in the industry a long time. I, I come from a legal family. And uh, Sophie originally comes from a winemaking family, ended up doing law. And so we've got this funny kind of crossover where we come from different backgrounds and we're heading to where the other, the other origin was. But um, then Sophie was doing um, some wine reviews, actually. And, and, you know, and I'm sure you've had this, you, you see someone review your wine and you go, <laughs> well, why were they tasting when they wrote this? Because yeah, <laughs> yeah, it yeah. didn't seem to be mine. Yeah, look, obviously other times you think it's on the money, but Sophie reviewed a wine I made and it was about as close to what I thought the wine was um, of any review I'd seen. And I thought, well, that, that's actually pretty cool. Either she's right or we think alike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and from a subjective point of view, it's the same thing. Um, but yeah, yeah. How I, long ago was that? Oh, that's about 10 years. Did 10 you used to do ago? some videos on YouTube and stuff? Yeah, I did. Yeah, 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 yeah I think yeah. I've seen those. Yeah. Because I... When I put your number into my phone to text you, I think I had for some reason your email in my phone That's or something. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I think when yeah. maybe when you first if we're first starting up Disavow, like yeah. we, I, I went through a couple of your lines. Oh, okay. I didn't even know that. Yeah, I just yeah. remember seeing the name and I was like, oh yeah, that was. Yeah. Was it Lady Parker? Or That's something? right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It's all coming back to me yeah, now. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's interesting. That's. Uh, and you were yeah, doing so that here. So on, on that basis, there, there's more to that story, Matt. Matt sort of, I was at a loose end, uh, just finished my, doing my professionals uh, for law and was kind of thinking, right, do I go into law and try and get a law job mm. or do I kind of pursue something within the industry and see if I can get back into it because I was kind of missing it. And uh, so in the meantime, I had been doing some wine restaurant reviews and then uh, Matt sort of emailed me and said, would, would you be interested in coming up to Marlborough and helping us out for a vintage to kind of get some more technical background, technical info? Sure, good and plan, man. Yeah, yeah, that was oh, no, nice. no, actually, <laughs> it wasn't, that, that, that wasn't on the agenda at all. I can, <laughs> okay. I can, I can honestly say that because actually before that, it was, it was um, I contacted us saying, look, I, the, the review was, was a good one and, and, and I feel, and I still feel this, that there's, there's a, a, a gap in um, in this industry uh, of, of people coming through who are good ambassadors and reviewers um, and authoritative writers um, about the industry. And, and I think we need strong people in New Zealand um, who can write. Yeah. And obviously video as well, record. And, and I think so... I thought, okay, what what you need is you need a good technical understanding of wine because, again, you read comments that people make about wine and you just know they're actually wrong and, and, and they're wrong because they've never been involved in production. 
if you're involved in production and you know enough about that, then I think it gives you a competence and authority in writing and reviewing that you don't always have. Yeah, and I, th- I, I was, you know, Jamie Good came to mind because he's got that chemistry background. Uh, and it's actually biology, plant biology, plant. Is it? Yeah, some biology, some kind yes, of science plant, background, plant but but. Yeah. You know, and I can see that in his writing, you know, as well. And, and so there's always, you know, I don't know, it's, it's a bit of a sea out there these days of wine writers and who, I don't know, I'm guessing he does pretty well because he's in a lot of different countries <laughs> reviewing wine all the time. But when I read his stuff, it has carry through for me because I'm like, you know, this guy at least is yeah. coming from a basis of some sort of technical, yeah. you know, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's, it's really good if you can combine some science knowledge with some hands-on winemaking as well, mm. because that that's the other dimension of which is which is useful. Yeah, I think as it's well. also really important that writers have some sort of wine qualification. Yeah. There, there seems to be so much today of just you know anyone can pick up a pen or type mm. and get sort of sort of some broad wine blogger yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I think you know that to, to really hold merit for me anyway, mm. I, I like to know that someone, you know, that person has actually done the work and done the groundwork and knows what they're talking about before they actually start writing about wine. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my, my basis as well. And I'd already started doing the WSET qualifications while I was doing law. And because I got through about into stage year two of law and thought, actually, is this what I really want to be doing? But <laughs> then because I'd got through to stage two, which the year two, which is notoriously difficult to get into in Otago Uni. And I thought, actually, I've got to stick it out. So I did. But mm. I don't regret doing law. Because it's so were great. you doing all those reviews when you were in Otago or in Auckland? Yeah, or Otago. In Otago, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so then I, and I thought, actually, great, and I'd love to go up and, and get, get my hands dirty and do some vintage work yeah. um, again. So it was great, and I've but been here now for nine, nine <laughs> yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. Never, <laughs> Never looked well, back. <laughs> well, actually, it was longer than that, too, because we were, we were chatting on and off a bit um, about when you'd come up and yeah. it didn't suit and then it said I, when it did suit it was actually just about to be vintage and we always employ someone uh, to help us out around the vineyards during harvest so I said well actually if you're coming then you, you might as well actually get involved with vintage and, mm. and so it kind of evolved in, in, into that but of course the other thing about uh, a wine writer blog or whatever um, is that you've got to be entertaining and you know, people don't don't pick up a review of a wine just to get the technical details. It has to be combined with, with a fun read. And and again, I think Sophie was a lot better than that, at that than I am anyway. Put it that well, way. It's, why, it's, it's actually why I'm here because she stood up and spoke at the Give a Gravels tasting and mm. I've always got a little in the back of my mind like who I'm going to do podcasts with. Mm. And I thought, well, she's a good speaker. I mean, there was, mm. I was getting texts during the conference yesterday. Oh, you should talk to this person, this person. And... I won't. I did talk to like six or seven people, but it was more on a personal. Like I either researched them or I saw them. Was like they'd be cool to talk to, Mm -hmm. and it it's not always the most technical or the most knowledgeable or the most popular. You know, it's like I'm like, man, I don't think so. I don't. I don't know about a conversation with that person would go, Mm -hmm. how that would go. You Mm -hmm. know, so. and then a little bit of research into you guys, and I thought, oh, this is, this would be interesting, you know. So, uh, but then the the vintages started. You were already going back and forth by that point. Yeah, I, I've I've been doing them <laughs> ever <laughs> since '93. Yeah. He started I've when he was one. He started when he was twelve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, haven't, I haven't missed one. I, I think I'm up to what, 55 vintages or something like that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah I look. I'm there four times a year. Uh, we had about four years when 
we both traveled together on all those trips which was fantastic and then we had a child which made it a little harder so we don't have to two a year together and two on my own but it's 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 not just uh, heading up for vintage it's it's overseeing projects uh within wineries largely um and that's in you know, uh italy and france predominantly mm. but we also do head into spain a bit and hungary occasionally and so projects in the sense of like a winery expansion or like a new range of wines it, or something? Yeah, or? we've we've been involved with um, Liberty Wines now since 1999. And actually the guy who started Liberty Wines with his wife, David Gleave, he's our best man. And um, and I started working with him in Italy back in 94. Mm. So he, he, he kind of changed companies to take over and then he started another one. And, and we kind of had a wee gap there, but it wasn't long. Um, so yeah, we look after wines for Liberty Wines, um, both in Italy, France, and Spain. Cool. Um, Hungary is independent of that, and I also go to Chile twice a year as well. How much wines? We had a Hungarian wine last night, and I mm-hmm. was sort of jogging my memory to think about how much. I think there's like pretty large production yeah, there, it is. isn't it? And you don't even yeah, know about yeah. it. Yeah, no, no, Hungary it's 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 a wine country. Um, they've got various parts of Hungary that produce wine, but the one that's known the most is Toko, obviously. Mm. Yeah, it, it's 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 tough if, if if your region like Tokyo does make sweet wines at the moment. It's 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 not an easy sell, which is a, a shame, I think. Um, the that's dog- why they're they're exploring now the dry yeah. ferment styles, and that's mm. largely what Matt Matt is assisting with as well as the as the yeah. development of that style. Yeah, um, I haven't been there for two years now. I think is roughly yeah, but no, no, it's 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 good fun. I've, I've got some good friends over there now. And when did you start uh, the Blank Canvas range or wine? Uh, well, it, it, it did have a kind of slow slow beginning where uh, we had, uh, well, I had another brand by myself that I didn't feel really right. So 2013 was technically the first vintage of uh, mm-hmm. Blank Canvas as such. We talked about it a lot before then and it took yeah. a long time to come up with the name and the concept and what mm. we really wanted to do. But ultimately, we really wanted it to be single vineyard expressions and carry the notion of the fact that you know Matt's come from a consulting background and this is our chance to, to kind of step back and and really mm-hmm. do some quite different things utilizing the European immersion and yeah. um yeah being a bit creative with with what we do and take a bit more risks so you're doing obviously you're doing that uh Giblet Gravel Syrah mm-hmm. uh what other wines so we do a uh, two Sauvignons mm-hmm. um, from the same vineyard so one's classic stainless steel fermented SV but quite dry I like to call it Sauvignon for grown-ups. Uh, we also do a, a wild fermented, punch and fermented Sauvignon mm-hmm. that's unfiltered as well, full solids. So it's a bit more funky, more sure. alternative. So it's called abstract. Uh, and then we have... Um, do you need a glass of wine now? <laughs> I better <laughs> not. I think I'm pretty good. <laughs> we do a Chardonnay as well, which is uh, also in punchins <clears throat> and wild fermented. Uh, uh, Marlboro Chardonnay? Marlboro Chardonnay, yeah. Underrated, by the way. I think there's Totally, some, there's yeah. We, we very much agree. Uh, we do a we do a Grunewaldliner as well, um, cool. which is a bit different, and we do uh, a Riesling, which is more in a Cabernet style. Mm-hmm. I think we're influenced by the wines we love to drink, and we love um, yeah. Cabernet and Spatlaser, sure. German wines. Fair enough. So it's kind of yeah, <laughs> yeah. Model that. And um, I think it's a real shame too because a lot of those styles are not in fashion, as Matt mentioned, the sweeter yeah. style, sweeter styles. But Cabernet and Spatlaser are not, it's not sweet. sweet anyway. No, 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 no. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 
And then Pinot as well. So we do a couple of expressions of single vineyard Pinots from Marlborough. Um, mm-hmm. But we've got one in the pipeline from Central as well, Central Otago. Yeah. Um, where's the Pinot come from? Is it? Uh... So we've got one in the Awateri Valley, Upper, upper Awateri, and that's um, quite an elevated terrace so above the Awateri cool. River. Um, yeah, a cooler site, but yeah. really perfumed and fragrant. And then we have um, one from a vineyard called Escarif, which is... Um, yeah, owned by two very eccentric individuals, but they're good fun. They're actually, um, she, Kiner, is uh, um, American, and he's a Dunedin boy, um, and they've developed this amazing site, which is dry-farmed and um, beautiful north-facing slope. And, uh, clay soils. Yeah, very low well, that, clay that's, soils. That's so. actually what I was going to ask about, because the, uh, when I did my little EIT tiki tour here yeah. through it, I think it was 09 you know, post GFC sort of in the mm. middle of the wine glut mm. that was happening here and sort of scary times in Marlboro, I think. And, um, a big talk of that time was pulling out Pinot from the, the base and putting it up into the hills yeah. and, and into the clay and different. So, and it was pretty exciting to see, like there was, mm. you know, obviously there's a bigger industry down here. So there was some big, bold moves happening. Um, but also really interesting and what we had tasted you know some pioneers that were a little ahead of the curve in that and what we tasted you know post vintage that year you know mm. in barrel was looking really really mm. promising uh, mm. from a few different wineries and uh has that trend just continued up into the hills and everything yeah look look it was it was actually pretty short-sighted and and we're looking really when you when you think of what people did um is Okay, we've got some land. Let's plant it. Let's split it up into three varieties, and yeah, because we 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 want to, I guess, have diversity in case things change. So they'd take a high vigor site and they'd plant Sauvignon and some Pinot and maybe some Chardonnay, perhaps some Riesling. And if you look at what soil types and vigor levels in particular those varieties want, um, you, you couldn't get further apart with Pinot and Sauvignon. Sure. <laughs> so one of those was going to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We know which one did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whereas if you take Hovenon Blanc and put it on a, on a low vigor clay slope, it, it doesn't work so well either. So, yeah. Um, and of course, if you if you look to the old world at, at, at what Pinot tends to like in the, in the old world, um, we, we could have learned as an industry, we could have learned a lot from that and saved us quite, quite a lot of money. But you know, we had to make our own mistakes and we have. So uh, I think one of the positives that came from, I guess, the success of Sauvignon Blanc is that um, people looked at the at what they were getting out of Pinot per hectare on those sites and thought, hmm, I need to change over. So they took Pinot out of a site that was making terrible wine from and replaced yeah. it with Sauvignon Blanc. There's now much good wine from there. So I think by pulling out the Pinot at the poor sites, the average quality of Marble Pinot improved significantly. And now, of course, putting it in the right sites yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> is making it even better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're probably probably five or ten years behind where we could have been, I think, um, had we done the research first. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm talking collectively, I'm not talking individually. Um, I deal with a vineyard in Martinborough that's on clay, which is pretty rare for Martinborough. Um, and uh, one thing, never to worry about color, it seems like, and, mm. and uh, it's dry farmed as well, is that fairly similar here from from what you guys have experienced up there well, look it's 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 quite quite interesting we've had two two years uh in 1918 that couldn't be a bigger contrast yeah. in terms of the kind of wine styles we've got 
and the reason for that is rain, rain during sizing. Mm. So we're pretty ordinary flowering uh, for 19 and we've got a lot of hen chickens, so small berries, and then we had a drought right through sizing. So we've got very, very small berries and very, very low yields from 19. By contrast, 18, we, we had a lot of rain as they size, so we had big berries. Mm. And, and I think the 18s are among the most perfumed vines in terms of aromas, but the colour and the tannin is much lower. Mm. So massive, massive change between 18 and 19. And, mm. and so you can just use that as an example, because time and time again I often hear, oh, you know, the new world doesn't really have vintage variation. It <laughs> <laughs> couldn't be further from the truth, you just yeah. need to line up those two vintages and say, well, here you yeah. go. Well, I think we're lucky as well that something like Pinot shows it so mm. much more, and then hopefully, um, I would assume we're both in the similar markets to the consumer that they're buying our Pinot, they want something different, you know, Absolutely. and they want a different, and, and their vintage, they wouldn't want it if it was the same every year, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think the there's truth in that, it's the interest of the it, yeah, of it's it. always different, and even the same one changes over time as well. But, yeah, but it's an interesting point, you, you talk about that. I, we, we've kind of worked out that there's, there's uh, a thing that we're, we're trying to do with our wine is that we're trying to make wines that uh, some people will love, not everyone will, and, yeah, yeah. and and we accept that. But we're not trying to make wines that everyone will quite like mm. because there are plenty of people doing it, and, and lots of bigger brands do exactly that. They don't offend anyone, and everyone actually thinks they're pretty good. Mm. But um, you know you have a wine that really excites you every now and then. Well, you know, we'd, we'd rather make those, I think, for some people. Well, again, another reason why I'm here, <clears throat> I probably... Wouldn't have shown up if I thought your Syrah sucked. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been embarrassing. Oh, we, we thought you came in to tell us that. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, and, and again, but it, it is a style, you know, it was, a, I could tell, you know, the winemaking or whatever picking decisions that you guys made was that, um, you know, was perfumed and, you know, I, I've worked for wineries that have made some big chunky Syrahs and, you know, depending on the vintage, uh, even more so. Uh, and I thought, well, this is interesting. Somebody's, you know, making a choice you know and going for it in this this certain direction so well yeah let's talk about that for a second is uh how you know was it uh, how did you meet dom and and get mm. that you know get fruit from that vineyard and all that yeah well, actually it was through through bryce oh neighbor, really dom oh Rose. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I um knew bryce um previously and and kind of kept, kept in contact over the years and uh we were looking for some syrah yep. um that we actually made Syrah from 2014-2015 off the Gimlet Gravels but obviously we weren't part of the association at that stage but that that came through a contact of Matt's Mm. Um, but unfortunately that that was pulled out from under our feet because the company wanted it back which is fair enough enough. they probably probably looked at what we were making and thought oh it's really good that's happened to Um, me (laughs) so yeah so then uh, yeah sort of scurrying around trying to find um, something it's, it's actually rare as hen's teeth to find yeah. some good it's syrah not, in the, in yeah the it's bay. not easy on, yeah. I know that yeah. so uh, it's, it's hence the question is mm. you know it's good that you found it and I think yeah. it's yeah. it's a good fit for them as well yeah, you know exactly. they're a young company and all that yeah. so yeah so Bryce put us in touch and yeah we just you know hit it off from there mm. basically um, there's a good synergy you know, they've got their own little brand that they do um, a small amount from and then we take the majority share for now but you know it's, it's a good good relationship um, yeah. and they enjoy they enjoy having a single wi- single vineyard wine from their own vineyard well, as well. Uh, yeah if, if anything somebody else 
uh, I also buy fruit. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, people, you know, a lot of people, how do you do that? And people mm-hmm. want to say, so you, you know, how happy some of these growers are when they know that mm-hmm. like you know, Malbec, for instance, which is either going to end up being a rosé or in some big blend or something, they say like, no, this is from your, your vineyard or Viognier or something. And, and, uh, and then you come back to them and like, look what I did, you know? And they're like, oh, this is great. I want to say, you know, they'll actually take, you know, yeah. you know, the, they'll ride the ride with you more Definitely. if they know that, that it's going to turn into something, you know, yeah. that, that they yeah. can have. And we feel very much that it's a, it's a partnership yeah. with all yeah. our growers, you know, and we, we name them on the labels yeah. and, you know, mm. we, we really want it to be, you know, this collaborative. Yeah. Look, if, if, if you don't give feedback to your growers, how do you expect them to get better and be enthused about it? And, and, and I think the best, most accurate feedback you can give them is actually produce a wine just with their grapes because yeah. that's the ultimate feedback, isn't sure. it? And, and um, I, th- you know, I think the good thing about those guys and actually all of our growers really is that they're not just producing grapes. They're thinking of the end product as well. Yeah. And, and I think if you've got growers who do that, you, you, you can't go wrong. Yeah, I had a conversation. I'm not working with them yet, but I'd love to because they have a really cool site. Hillside Franc, by the way, which is cool. pretty awesome. Um, and some Alberino and Arnais, I think, as well. But uh, they've got a kind of a grower block. Uh, and, you know, these guys have been growing for 20 years, and they're just uh, beaten down, you know. And I, I, I won't name the big company, but I'm, I'm sure you could take a guess of one of the two bigger guys and uh, you know they have make wine from Hawks Bay and he's like I feel like you could just see in his eyes I just wanted to hug the guys like I feel like they just thief in the night you know they just come by with their machine pick it all and then we just you know and then yeah we get paid but it's not as much as we should and you know and then the money's in the account we never hear from him again until the next year and I'm like that was heartbreaking you know and I was like oh man you know we can do some you know some other stuff with these varietals and they just want that you know if they got that out of it you know, I mean, that's kind of what life's all about, you know? Yeah, yeah, but to be fair, not all growers are like that. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, and yeah. It, and and actually, it's interesting, if we come back to the soil type, uh, that's also, apart from the fact we don't have the money, but <laughs> that, that that's the reason we actually don't own our own vineyard, because if you look at Marble, there's, there's a huge contrast of soil types here. We've got um, very young or legal ones, we've got very old clay soils, and and pretty much everything in between as well, especially if you look at the arbitrary and south of there. So obviously we talked about Pinot's Hope Not Blanc, but there's, uh, the other varieties also have you know, fairly specific requirements that they will excel in. And uh, if you have one vineyard, then you're going to make some compromises with at least one or more of those varieties. So mm. our vineyards are spread around the district, depending on soil type. So, so we do actually pursue a site yeah um, for the variety we're trying to make mm. and, and funny funny and that's good <laughs> yeah yeah well but, I mean, you, it must be, make, you must have been to europe before you yeah know? <laughs> but i mean if, if if you wanted to do that and own, own your own vineyards logistically that would be, be tough yeah. pretty tough and also yeah. be bloody expensive yeah you probably have to be villa maria or somebody like that yeah. who, who uh, seems to do a good job with that kind of stuff or, or you know? need to be really wealthy i guess yeah that would be the other that would help most problems. that that kind of um I was speaking with a, a wine writer uh, recently, and I couldn't seem to get across to her that I thought what was going on. And she said, "Is there anything else you want to do?" She was talking about this one wine that they're going to publish about. And I said, "And is there anything else do you want to talk about uh, before I let you go?" And I said, "Well, I think it's really exciting what's going on in Hawkes Bay and, uh, and maybe some other parts of New Zealand as well, where there's a lot of these people, most of my peers, and I mentioned somebody like Bryce who are." 
they didn't start with a million or a million, probably need 20 million or something. They didn't start with a bunch of money. They were literally starting with a couple barrels. We've all worked in the industry. And, you know, I would say there's two ways, you know, one is you make your, you know, you, you come at it as like a giant corporation, international, we're going to buy some land or something, or you make your money in, in tech or something. And then mm -hmm. you, you, you know, and there tend to be the couple stories of like these, you know, really nice, you know, vineyard or winery mm -hmm. that, that's there. And, and it's, pretty different when you you actually grow up being an, as a grower a winemaker and then like you slowly making a little your own one barrel two about you know a small mm -hmm. tank to a little bit more the next year and everything and uh she's oh well that's kind of always happened i'm like not really it's in new zealand right now it's the, it's when i got here you know 12 years ago whatever it was maybe three or four people in hawks pay doing that now there's 15 you mm -hmm. know so it's uh changing. yeah exciting. it is changing it's yeah really exciting so there's a few other guys like you and Marlboro, I take it, or, you know, you got some yeah. peers out there, yeah, you know? No. Yeah, it's good. It's are. really good because I think Marlboro, you know, is so, has so much potential to be producing mm. really high quality, world-class, high, mm. high-end wines. And uh, there's, you know, as a, a percentage, scary. as a percentage, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like minuscule. It's so. like scary for us in Hawks Bay. You can't, yeah. you know, take yeah. that from us as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's, it's, it is interesting. I guess in, in any well-known area, you get a small number of producers that are really driving the reputation mm. of, of the industry. And, that, and that's true throughout the world. Uh, and and the, the industry really needs those. Yeah. You know, um, there are volume players as well, but if everyone's a volume player and um, even those large producers don't have wines that are really pushing boundaries, I, I think um, it's, it's a real problem mm. in, in the long term. So I, I, I think it's key that the smaller producers are really pushing boundaries and trying to make things better. And like I say, I think the larger producers need to need to also do that. Yeah, yeah, the good ones do. Yeah, the good, the good ones, ones do. You know, the good ones yeah, uh, nice still have that passion, you know. <laughs> um, and what about Otago? You said you got something in the pipeline? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we just bottled our 2018 yeah. Pinot from Central last week. So that's a little site in the Gibson Valley. Gibson, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah I'm finally starting, you know, it's... Not that I, I don't, I know all the names and I've had wines from all the places. So I'm finally just starting to get my real mm. palate compass down for these, mm. you know. Yeah. Otago is pretty scary because they're so damn good. <laughs> you know, those. Well, we, we both grew up there, so we know yeah. um, central really well. And yeah, but Matt was, Matt was, Matt was in Alexandra and I was in Cromwell. Yeah, I was so. born in Dunedin. <laughs> Special yeah. place down there. Yeah, Would have been interesting growing up down there, huh? Yeah, yeah, look, the, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, the industry was just kicking off then. Um, but yeah, it was it was colder when I was down there, actually. It was it felt was, colder, yeah. No, 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 it didn't feel colder. It, it was, was colder, colder. <laughs> so it's yeah. warmed up, you think? Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah look, 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 I had, um, I, I remember one day when I was at school, the high was minus 12. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't think we've had a day like that in the last 20 years, that is for sure, um, down there. And I remember there were two weeks um, on Dad's farm where... The diesel froze every night, two weeks, and that's that freeze at minus seventeen, so it was less wow. than minus seventeen. Again, we just haven't had that in, no. in the last two decades. It just hasn't happened. Bunch of softies down there now. You know, yeah, really. a bunch of softies. <laughs> well, well, it, I think it has has made the industry just that little bit easier. Yeah, I think yeah. I think it's just a couple of degrees off that bottom temperature in winter has made life a bit easier and spring. Yep. 
And they had, you know, what was it, 18 they had? They were, what, five weeks ahead of schedule mm-hmm. and everything else? Yeah, it's a cracker for, especially so, Gibson. Yeah. I think it's, it's probably. Yeah, no, 18 is good. 17 is good as well. Look, I've, I've heard yeah. some really, really nice, nice wines things. from both Bannockburn mm. and, and Gibson uh, from 17. Mm. So, yeah, we're buying those. Keep my eye out for, eye out for yeah, those. Yeah, things, yeah. No, they're good ones. Well, cool, guys. Uh, yeah, shit. I mean, you know, uh, I got to catch a flight. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for taking some time to do no this. Uh, there was any, I don't know if there's anything else. I'll get all your info and, yeah. and all exactly. that. We'll post it. But uh, good. Uh, you good? You guys are good? You know, yeah, no, no, we're good. good. We're good. Thanks we're, for we're doing this. Good, good fun. Thanks, Dan. Cheers. Thanks. Oh, thank you, Sophie and Matt. That was a great chat. And it was a while ago. I apologize just uh, for taking a little while to get up. I thought it'd be good to save for the spring since I had all those ones from the organic uh, conference. And then I snuck in the David Nash one because that movie premiere was coming up. So uh, they don't even know that I'm apologizing to them. I'm just saying this out loud to myself to make myself feel better. But uh, it did take a while to get this one up there. I banked it for a bit. I often do that and record these when I can meet people during my travels or theirs. So uh, before I forget, blankcanvaswines.com. Very easy. And they're blank canvas wines on Instagram. There you go. Very easy. Their wines, uh, from what I can tell, are a little bit available around the country, but a lot of mail order and find them online, online shops. And I'll tell you what, I've had a lot more of them since I did do that interview. That is the one good thing about the time that it took was I've tried some of their Pinot. The Sauvignon Blanc was gorgeous. Uh, Chardonnay. Yeah, just really, really, really good wines. I've got a couple in the cellar, too, uh, that I are going to get to uh, when I can. I want to let them get a little age on them. But just it's just funny how these things work. All of a sudden, they're on my radar. I see their wines out a little bit more and I try them or somebody had them in a house we decided to open them up and and they've all been fantastic and I just love that story about back and forth between Europe and New Zealand that's just crazy how about a unique unique story Uh, I think we've all done a lot of vintages overseas and for people that aren't winemakers and are just listening to this as sort of fans of wine that is not that uncommon of course to go do vintages in different countries to gain that experience but what these guys and what particularly what Matt's done is insane (laughs) he just keeps going back and uh he's just got this amazing wealth of knowledge and i think amazing uh, perspective on things which you know we can often get tied up in our own cellars and in our own wines and in our own regions and forget about what things are going on in the greater wine world and how people uh, perceive and purchase and enjoy our wines uh, in other parts of the world and it just provides great perspective. So uh, congrats on that, guys. I will continue to drink your wines, and I hope to see you at the next Travels AVS meeting. So talk to you soon. And, uh, of course, we have our own Instagram, uh, which is DB Vintage Stories, and uh, follow us on there. We always post up different things as we go, and we will see you guys soon we got a couple good ones i'm sitting down with hugh Crichton later today from vital we'll get that one up soon cheers